there! It's Thursday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever, the only movie podcast which offers objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I'm your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, no, this is him in a nutshell, help, how did he get in this nutshell, somebody help him get out of this nutshell, it's Anthony James. <laughs> good afternoon, good evening, good night. And that will make sense when we get to the end of this week's episode. Um, Anthony, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing very, very well. Very, very well, actually. How about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. I mean, I, I enjoyed looking up um, lines from Austin Powers for the purpose of um, <laughs> of this week's intro. Help. I haven't seen show. that movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, is, okay, you said at the end of the podcast, so I'm assuming that's your favourite. Well, we'll not say... Um, well, hi. Yeah, you have to listen to the whole podcast if you want to get that get, uh, get uh, that information, cheeky listeners, yeah. trying to get a, li- a glimpse behind the curtain. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a good week. A good week for movies as well. I'll say. I've got. I've got a. a I was going to say a bone to pick with you. It's not really a bone to pick with you because it's because um, it's entirely my fault. But as a man who dwells and has dwelt for some time on the Emerald Isle, yeah. I heard someone pronounce a name today. Um, and it sent a shiver down my spine because it made me realise that I think I've been pronouncing a name wrong for a long time. Is it Cillian Murphy or Killian Murphy? Killian Murphy. And I oh, believe that shit. I did correct you on this. Shit! At least okay. eight years ago. <laughs> Cancel the podcast. I've been saying it wrong the whole time. Yeah. I heard someone say it and I was like, oh no, I need to bring this up. Yeah, well actually, at least you heard someone say it. And it didn't actually, like, you know, like you didn't say Cillian and then get corrected at least. No, that's true. But but now I'm going to have to like release an, a kind of um, YouTube apology video like to, entitled My Truth, where I, I, I you know, talk really seriously <laughs> what to I, the camera what about I find really try to be better. I find really interesting is the fact that you know that the name Killian is a name with a K, but you, you know, but you thought that there was also an Irish name Cillian as well. Yeah, I, I don't know where I got Cillian from, but uh, Killian I know because of Killian Dane, the uh, the old uh, the old Northern Irish wrestler that we saw once. Uh, <laughs> well, once he's named Killian Dane because Killian is the Irish named Killian with a C. Um, like so, in the Irish oh, yeah. language, there's certain letters which aren't in there. So, for example, J is not in the Irish language. I don't believe K is either. So, therefore, K, the K at the start of C start of a word has to be that. C. And also, J doesn't exist. So, therefore, the word the name Sean is actually just the name John, but they have to use uh, an S instead of a J. I mean, to be honest, like C, when you look at the letters in the alphabet, C isn't pulling its weight, really, is it? Like K K can do most of what C does, and it's a cooler-looking letter. It's so. true, and like I have, I'm have, i having a bit of an issue at the minute, to be honest with you, because I'm trying to teach my son like the alphabet, and I'm A for apple, yeah, he's got that one, B for banana, okay, C for car. Now, do I say C <laughs> for car? Or do I say C for Cillian? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should just, if you have any more children, you call the next one Cillian and we'll invent the name. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, that's good to know. I've been pronouncing that name incorrectly for the best part of my life. So that's embarrassing. We'll, have, we'll just have to move past that and hope it never comes up again. We're doing a movie diary this week, which means we're going to talk about everything we've seen since the last time we did one of these. Before we get into that, please subscribe to the channel on YouTube. We are The Culture Cave. And on podcasting apps, we are the best movie podcast ever. Give the video a like get involved in the comments if you are there on youtube let us know what you watched this week but apart from that let's talk about some movies let's see if we can't do it movies we know what they are we're here to talk about them um i've watched some 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 really good ones this week i have to say um yep exactly that yeah we're doing that just in case you didn't realize what 
this podcast was about. Um, I think I've watched more than you. Well, I say I think. I don't want to lie to the listeners. I, I know for a fact I've watched more than you this week. Well, actually, so, no, no, no. Hang on. Let's get. If you're going to go technicalities here, I've definitely watched more than you. I watch okay, like yeah, I watch like three or four films a day, but they're all children's films. Listen, if you if we want to have a little section called Anthony's Corner where you talk recommend children's films, we can do that. I have the power to to, <laughs> to, 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 to turn this this good good ship BMP around and turn it into a children's movie podcast. Listen, that's um, that's lockdown life for you with a toddler. Yep. Um but so I'm gonna I'm gonna start things off, I think, just because I've got more. So so you'll be sandwiched in there. Yeah. Um with the first movie I wanted to talk about this week, um, and this was this actually came out uh, back in January, and I've been meaning to watch it for ages, and I just never got around to it. And I think you would actually quite like this because you, like me, are a fan of kind of character-driven chamber piece mm-hmm. kind of movies. Uh, and this is uh, 2021's One Night in Miami, um, directed by Regina King, who I didn't realise had directed anything. Um, I mainly know her as an actress who was in um, like the John Singleton movie Boys in the Hood, and mm-hmm. um, in a lot, lot of movies in like the kind of 90s and early 2000s um, but it's essentially about a fictional meeting between, I've got to get these names right, the NFL I, I don't really know American football um, but um, I think it's NFL star Jim Brown, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke who was a uh, kind of Motown soul musician and Muhammad Ali basically meet in a hotel room uh, one night in Miami after one of his fights and what follows is kind of like this broad dissection of their views on the civil rights movement and their roles in it and how they see it going and it's it's really interesting um it's it it, it could have been i think in the hands of someone who was less of a writer it could have been really stodgy because it's literally just people for the most part sitting in a room mm. or occasionally in the on the roof um talking about the civil rights movement but it's really engaging it's um written by kent powers who uh, maybe this is um part of why it, it's so um that the writing feels so so good to me is that he adapted it from his own screenplay um, or his own stage play rather, which I've not seen, but I assume is quite good. That's really interesting um, to me, actually. Yeah, because he's a playwright and uh, he's now through Disney. He obviously wrote Soul for Disney, yeah, uh, which came out just at the end of last year. So he's now broken fully into writing for films. That's that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and if this is anything, and and Soul as well, from what I've heard, um, is anything to go by. Has a very promising career in front of him, um, but it's. I, I think I love the cast of this movie in particular. Aldis Hodge um, plays Jim Brown. I love Aldis Hodge. Like he's got such, um, he's got like such presence and charisma um, in, in everything I've ever seen him in. So I, I, I'm pretty much on board with everything everything that he does. Uh, Kinkley Benadir, who I believe you all know from from the OA, uh, he hasn't turned up yet, but I know he's in. I know he's in the OA. Kingsley Benadir. Um, oh, ho, ho, ho. wait till you see him. He's great. Yeah, and, he, and he's great. He plays Malcolm X in this, and he's fantastic. Um, and then Eli Gorey, who I didn't... I don't think I, uh, I'd really seen him much before this. Um, I'm trying to remember now. I didn't write it down. I have seen him in something before, but it wasn't... A, I don't think it was a major part. Oh, he played... Um, Godzilla. He was in Godzilla as a police officer. He was in Godzilla, and he was also in Glow. He was the son of one of the wrestlers in Glow. Oh, yes, um, okay. Who played by Awesome Kong, the one who Awesome Kong played. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, played her son, so it's a bit part, but that's the only thing I've seen him in. So I think he's quite young, but he's Muhammad Ali, and um, Leslie Odom Jr. is Sam Cooke. But it, as I said, it's, it's really good. It's it's essentially four very charismatic actors getting a chance to exchange really interesting ideas about the civil rights movement, and obviously they're coming from very different places. You've got um, Malcolm X, who's quite militant, but this is coming at the point where he's sort of 
fallen out of favor with the nation of islam and is kind of pulling away from them and he's trying to get muhammad ali to kind of convert to islam but come with him to this uh new sect or it's not even really a new sect of nation of islam it's kind of an entirely separate thing and then you've got jim brown who's very much the sort of keep your head down work hard um and things will improve type and sam cook is the um the only way to improve things is to play them at their own game and make mm-hmm. a load of money type and there's a lot of really good material to be discussed um in there between them and it, and it was it was really entertaining i really like this movie yeah there's well straight away from that cast i'm having a look and i'm really interested leslie Odom jr is, a, is an actor who i want to see more of in uh in film i've not seen too many of his films to be completely honest with you having said that we were just talking off uh, off recording of uh, the musical Hamilton. He is the yeah. he's the uh, character Aaron Burr, uh, and he's oh, okay. he's absolutely fantastic in that. One of my favorite characters in that. In uh, that so musical. did he? I wonder if he started on Broadway then, because he sings in this, and I, I assume probably wrongly. Whenever I see a, whenever I see an actor in a film singing, I'm always like, oh, they probably dubbed that with you know like a proper singer. Oh, it would have been it would it would have been him singing. I don't know where he started. He has been involved in screen acting and stage acting like the whole way through his career i believe um i think i don't i don't honestly i can't say where his big break came but i know in hamilton he was one of the original cast and uh and sort of it's it's pushed him through to mega stardom you know he's really he's really on the up up and up he's amazing in that um as well as another a few other characters a few other actors from that stage show are as well um yeah and just obviously uh just really interested in that like it sort of has we talked about Forrest Gump a few weeks ago and about the Mm. idea of bringing these historical events in a new light um and this is sort of a more serious take on that isn't it they're they're actually bringing them in in this fictional meeting and actually being able to put out the ideas yeah so it's it's, it seems interesting to me yeah I mean I I can't really can't recommend it enough I think it, it, you need to be the kind of person who enjoys watching people sit down and talk for mm-hmm. a long period of time. I think if that doesn't appeal to you, this probably won't. Um, and to be honest, when it first started, I was a little bit worried um, that the screenplay was going to be a bit kind of heavy-handed because it starts with some really on-the-nose depictions of friend. I'm going to say friendly racism. You know, um, uh, Jim Brown basically meets a white character who is like oh you're a, you're a famous football star like you know you you're the pride of georgia and all this mm-hmm. but you're still not allowed in the house basically yeah. um and it, and it's kind of and and it's this um the the way it's done i think it's designed to shock the lang- particularly the language it uses um which i w- obviously won't repeat here yeah. but um but you know it it was the 60s in georgia mm-hmm. draw your own conclusions about what language might have been used there um but um it, 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 it like really dissects its ideas like brilliantly and I, and I have to say for Regina King again her, I, th- I believe it's her debut feature film I might be might be wrong about that but she certainly hasn't done very many mm-hmm. but I, I'm really excited to see to see what else she can she can do um, going forward from this because it's a lovely film to look at as well and there's there's real like kind of assurance behind the camera which I wouldn't expect from a um, for many debut di- directors but but she absolutely nails it yeah and to be honest with you the idea of this film is so almost meta in a way because by making this film and having all of these figures in the in the civil rights movement and how their parts take took place in that it's interesting because it's also propelling these four black actors into the limelight of modern day hollywood and giving mm. them the leg up and allowing them to actually go and sort of 
make a path for themselves. Oh, and- yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you. And I think, I know I've said this before, but Aldis Hodge, he should be a, like a leading man. Like, you know, I, 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 don't, I hate comparing like black actors to other black actors because it sounds like that's the only thing you see in them. But, you know, that kind of like Will Smith level of leading man from like mm-hmm. 10 years ago where he was like one of the biggest names in Hollywood, um, That that's where Aldis Hodge should be because he's got such charisma and, and such presence that I, he, he's totally a lead. And uh, and Kingsley Benadir is... Um, he's a hell of an actor. He's like, a really, he really good actor. Yep. I, yeah. I, I like. I like. This is again. It's strange. It's a strange to talk about it like this. But the fact of the matter is, if you look at the past eras of cinema, there's maybe been five main, you know, main star black act black actors who come to the tip of your tongue. And the fact this yeah. generation seems to be all these sort of measures that have been put in place throughout the, the industry seem to be now starting to bear some fruit and we, yeah, we seem to be coming so. into an era where we have a load of different actors from different backgrounds being the main stars yeah. in films and i'm really looking forward absolutely. to it yeah. yeah absolutely but uh yeah so what was um what was the first one you wanted to talk about okay so going from your sort of fictional um retelling of history not really re- it's the, the the history isn't isn't fictional the meaning was uh, yeah. I'm going. I actually watched a historical film that is very clearly set in the past, and I, in fact, actually, the meticulous detail they went to to make it like it would have been back in the day is is unbelievable. To be honest with you, um, and it's not a it's it's not as serious as like the civil rights movement. It's actually about the invention of concrete, and that is uh, 1994's The Flintstones. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Okay, I did not see that coming. I should. I apologise, listeners. I should have. I should have headed Anthony off at the pass there, but like, nope, we're not. We're not doing this. But here we are. We've arrived at this. At this joke. Yeah. And is that? Is that what I? So well, now, now hold on a second. This is the Flintstones, not the Flintstones. Viva Rock Vegas. It's not Viva Rock Vegas. It's the original one with jo- John Goodman movies. and Rick Moranis. So was John Goodman not in the? Was not? Was he not in Viva Rock Vegas? No. Um, that was Robert Baratheon, but I can't remember his name off the top. Oh, um, yeah, I'm not going to remember it. But yeah, and um, also uh, Rick Moranis, who plays Barney Rubble in this one, in the in the more recent one, Viva Rock Vegas, it's not Rick Moranis, it's Stephen Baldwin, who you might remember as the religious oh, nut from Big Brother. Oh no, yeah, that's a real step. I mean, I thought John Goodman. Took, I don't want to talk down about Robert Rathian's actor because he's a fine actor. He's probably not John Goodman level, but he's fine. But but Rick Moranis to Stephen Baldwin, <laughs> yeah. you are trading down pretty heavily there. I have to say, I, I I to be honest, I haven't seen Viva Rock Vegas. I just always remember laughing at that at that title and. I can't remember a lot about this movie, but it does have a really good cast. It's got a really good cast. Uh, obviously, Rosie O'Donnell. Um, the- Carl McLaughlin is the villain, I believe. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, Halle is Berry that- as, like, I think, a young, like, 20- uh, Halle Berry. 28-year-old right, yeah. Halle Berry. Every time she comes on the screen, you've got the saxophone, you know? Yeah. It, like, zooms up from her legs. As she walks out, it zooms down, and she's, like, shaking her hips. Like, literally, I don't know how she still walks and she's shaking her hips that much. But basically, it's the story of Fred Flintstone, who gets a promotion in work based on Barney Rubble you know handing in uh his test for Fred because basically yeah. at the very beginning of the film Fred Flintstone took his money out of his bank account and gave it to to Barney for them to adopt a child uh and yeah. he's like and then Barney wrote him a poem I'll pay you back some way somehow and he did pay him back uh, and then it all goes to Fred's head and you know hilarity ensues now I'm going to sit here and say I think my generation and like your generation will look back on this film with much more you know 
nostalgia and like admiration than potentially people at the time received it (laughs) i i yeah i have no idea how well this movie did to be honest financially i'm just i I need to i'm I'm gonna look up how well it did on yeah was it a flop or not well they made a second one so it mustn't have been a flop Uh, there's a few things like i don't really need to lay everything out uh you know i'm sure if you haven't seen it it's the Flintstones. They do go fully cartoon. Like, I mean, when when Fred goes yabba dabba do and jumps in the air, he does hang. <laughs> he has a fair amount of hang time. Uh, let's just say that. Um, he's got his his pet dinosaur Dino. Do you, do you get the um I, uh, the kind of foley work of when they when they like run in space for a, for a minute? Yeah, and yeah, goes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do. Like that. Yeah, great. That's that's what yeah. you need. And, and in fact, actually, so you've got all those trappings of the cartoon, but you've also got this is really interesting. A really meta ongoing joke about their feet, right? Because you know they're all they're all barefoot, right? Which I yeah, found out sure. actually by reading up about it. They uh, they they didn't allow glass on set just because in case of accident, because all the. Oh, extras... I thought you were going to say they made them all shoes shaped like feet. That no, would no, have been this wasn't the Lord not of the Rings. Much more horrific. Yeah, it wasn't Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Uh, but this is much more highbrow than Lord of the Rings. They would Somewhere out there, there's a there's a there's a rubber mold of John Goodman's feet, and it's, it's like some perverts bought that for millions on eBay. Yeah, but there was like there's a real meta running joke of their feet, right? So for example, there's right. like, they're waiting for an appointment, and Fred's sitting like almost going to chew his uh, his nails in public before like Wilma knocks him and says what are you doing there's also uh, like the big bad McLaughlin he's sitting there trimming his toenails just talking to Halle Berry just trimming his toenails there's also uh, disgusting like a car wash where a woman pulls up puts her feet out and then they sh- they wash her feet for her so there's an ongoing like real meta joke that the filmmakers are doing to be like this is what this this world would really have to be like you know yeah um, but the, like the world this is what I'll say about it the actual production design of the world like the way they've made it look very cartoony, like you know, the yeah. way they've done the puppets with the, with the different dinosaurs, the way they've uh, incorporated all this all sort of modern technology, but in a stone agey fake way, it really works for me from a visual standpoint. It really, really yeah, works. Yeah, I, I definitely I remember. Like I said, I don't remember that much about this movie because it's probably been a solid twenty years since mm-hmm. I've seen it. But I absolutely remember it being very colourful and the yeah. world design uh, being very striking as well. So I, they, I mean, they seem to have nailed that kind of cartoony aesthetic. Yeah. Um, if nothing else. Yeah, and I will say, in terms of like, the, they decided to in times use CGI for like for Dino, uh, the. Um, the, the pet dinosaur, right? Yeah. They decided to. Use... I don't remember him in that this movie at all, actually. Yeah, whether he's puppeted. He's pu- the puppet looks or... really good when they go up okay. close to the puppet. It looks really good, but the sometimes when he's running and stuff, it's CGI, and when he's doing the conga, it's CGI. Um, but the thing is, <laughs> it's it's sort of in that time in 1994 where the CGI was nowhere near good enough yet to hold up to time. Yeah, to the like, point... unless you were making Jurassic Park, it's like yeah. it, it didn't hold up. And this actually is uh, produced by Spielberg, so obviously they made Jurassic Park, and they were like, right, that's the practice out of the way. Yeah, let's, now let's get to the let's, real let's get dinosaurs, the real stuff. guys. I want to see a pterodactyl whose mouth is like a basin for water for some reason. Yeah. I think that was the pterodactyls. I don't. It's been a while since I've seen the Flintstones. Well, they, at the very beginning, there was like a huge. I don't know if it was a pterodactyl, or maybe it was too big. Maybe it was just a massive pterodactyl. But it was flying, and like they just showed this for a joke. That's literally all it was. And there, it was flying with like a load of people on its back. And there was a guy going, "We're now coming into bedrock," you know, as if they have planes, you know. Oh, um, okay, nice. But so like, they have the dinosaur. 
dinosaur who's a shower. I never understood how. Uh, maybe a mammoth actually. Yeah, like, mammoth. Like a mammoth, a mammoth is like yeah. the, is their water system. Uh, they have yeah. like a a weird pre uh, you know prehistoric pig thing which is underneath the sink, which is their garbage disposal. <laughs> and whenever whenever Fred makes it big and gets all the money, they get a new garbage disposal and he takes the box off and it's another pig, but it's thin. <laughs> That's great. That sounds alright. So okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch something to you here. Having not, I don't remember anything about this movie, but 1994, a kind of family-friendly fantasy adventure. Is there a version of the Flintstones theme song that includes some kind of terrible rap in it? No. Okay, that's a shame. That, that this, if ever there was going <laughs> to be a, a time for someone to do like a terrible rap cover of the Flintstones theme song, 1994 was the year, and that's a shame that we that we missed the boat on that. Maybe Viva Rock Vegas had it in, but yeah, uh, maybe, maybe they maybe they corrected themselves for the sequel. The last thing I wanted to mention is. When I was a child, like the last time I watched this, and like it was a proper nostalgia hit watching it. You know when you watch something you haven't watched for so long, and every frame it's like it's like you're having deja vu. Um, yeah, that's what it was like. But there's a particular aspect of it which I completely forgot was was so short, right? So within within the first few minutes of the film, the Robbles um, they adopt Bam Bam, who's the they're sort of he's been raised by uh, mastodons, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As, as one does. Yeah, as one does. So they adopt him. In my mind, most of this film, Bam Bam was a wild nut. And, you know, he, yeah, he kind of sure. is. But most of this film, he was a wild nut. And eventually they bring him around and tame him, right? After five minutes of the film, he's tamed. Like, I remember, like, it was a montage of, like, him running around, smacking things, running through walls. And then they cut his hair into a ball shape, and he was fine. Like, I, I remembered as a child that happening for a lot longer than five minutes. Like, just tell <laughs> yeah. you that. Feels a little unearned, that character development, to be honest. Just, yeah. like, five well, minutes. They needed, they needed it to be there because that's what made Barney want to switch the tablets, you know, when he was doing the, that. And also, I just will say, if you're, if you've got a, a jo- if you're a boss of someone... Or if you're a boss of a company or a manager, don't say, right, we're having a promotion tomorrow. Everyone's doing a test. It's probably not the best way to choose a promotion yeah. in, in, in a Yeah, you're not, job. you're not going to get the best candidates for the job then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Th- there's, there's one thing I wanted to point out here, which classical movie fans amongst you will be horrified to hear. The fucking Elizabeth Taylor is in this movie yeah, yeah, as yeah. Pearl Slaghoople, which I do not remember at all. But Pearl Slaghoople is um, Fred's um, mother-in-law. And so I guess got, Elizabeth it, Taylor just needed the money. It's got all. It's got all of the. <laughs> she looks great in it, to be honest with you, Michael. Oh, I'm sure she does. My, my yeah. wife and I were chatting about it and saying, like, geez, like, you know, it's funny. Like, it's sort of. It's like a. It's it's a it's a one. It's a fully swing one way or a fully swing the other way in terms of how actors and actresses look when they get older. Like, yeah. they could either look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, no, Arnold Schwarzenegger actually came round again, didn't he? He doesn't look too bad, but. But they can. He got. He got to a like. There was a point where Arnold Schwarzenegger looked really old, and then he just stayed there. So yeah, he's yeah, kind of yeah. looked that age for the last twenty years now. I feel. Yeah, yeah. I know. You know what I mean. But you know what I mean. But like, she went down like the graceful route. So, and she. Yeah. And it, like, you've got all the gen, the general like nineties mother-in-law jokes and stuff. And then as soon as he gets the promotion, she's like saying, "My Freddy." Uh, it's like it's. It is. You know. It is what it is. I just. I just love that. Like. I mean. I guess it's kind of like the role that that these days you'd see i don't know like meryl streep turn up and you'd be like that's fucking meryl streep what are you doing in this movie um but it's just weird to see like elizabeth taylor like this this legend of hollywood being uh, well i don't want to say a bad movie because i haven't seen it for ages but a movie that's maybe slightly outside of her oeuvre yeah yeah. i think most people would 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 uh tune out if we didn't call it a bad movie but i'm but but i'm just i'm just saying that it it has enough in it 
it's only like 90 minutes long or something and yeah. it, it has enough in it to watch every 20 years that's all i'll say yeah and it sounds like good fu- a good fun time mm-hmm. which you know what, what more can you ask for uh from a from a flintstones movie <laughs> exactly um I, uh, that, this actually segues quite nicely into my next movie, which is another. I had a, I had a real, a real modern kick uh, this week. Um, this is another 2021 movie, something I was, I've been really looking forward to for a while. It came out, I believe, a week ago um, on Amazon Prime, um, and this is um, it's kind of like an SNL comedy, very much like a throwback comedy. It's Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Um, it's uh, starring Kristen Wiig and, uh, and Annie Momolo. And this this movie fucking rules. <laughs> like it's, it's like it's. This is why I made the Austin Powers line at the beginning because it's like basically, to give you the plot, Barb and Star are these middle aged homebodies. They work together in a, like a, a a department store, and they they lose their jobs. And one of them's a widow, and the other one's divorced. And they're like, oh no, what are we gonna do? And um, they decide to go to a sunny resort in Vista del Mar in Florida. Um, and unbeknownst to them, a I guess they're a supervillain is how I would describe them. Is plotting to kill everyone in this resort with um, poisonous mosquitoes because of a slight um, that uh, the, the the residents of this resort uh, inflicted upon her. And this this supervillain is also played by Kristen Wiig when she was a child. So she sends Jamie Dornan, the you know super hunky Jamie Dornan, to the resort to you know plant the homing device and set 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 the plan in motion. He's in love with her. She doesn't love him. And wouldn't you know it, Barb and Star end up getting embroiled in the plot to kill everyone in Vista Del Mar but it's it's really funny and it's like it kind of the the setup the, the sort of opening half hour had me a little bit worried because it's not that funny in the opening half hour there is there is one particular scene um where Barb and Star go to what is called talking club um which is just just them and a bunch of other women sit around and they're only allowed to talk about the the subject and BBA from the OA is in it and she says I want to talk about horses and she gets reprimanded because they're not allowed to talk about anything but the 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 subject of talking club for that week um and Barb serves uh, something called hot dog soup, which is like grey sludge with chunks of hot dog in it, which is one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen in uh, served in a, in a in the context of food in a movie. <laughs> um, but apart from that, the opening half hour is a little bit slow, takes a while to kind of get into it. But then they get to the resort, and it just goes full on kind of. You know how in like a lot of modern comedies, we we've talked about this before, maybe off air to some extent, but a lot of modern comedies feel like they're just funny actors kind of ad libbing and there aren't mm. really jokes in the script. This is like the opposite of that, and it feels a lot like a throwback to like an Austin Powers kind of thing where there's loads of visual gags, loads of like really dumb comedy. So um like there's a musical number in there. There's like anthropomorphic animals that just start talking for one scene. Um, there are drug trips. A couple of absolutely hilarious cameos that I'm not going to spoil, but a very well respected actor turns up as a crab for one scene, which I was very into. Uh, a, a crab who imparts some sage wisdom to Kristen Vig's character before before longingly wandering into the sea for one final time. It's, it's so funny. Um, I just this movie like just revels in its own brand of kind of innocent stupid comedy and i really enjoyed it you don't get movies like this that much anymore this, yeah. um and, and it was great this is like the way you're explaining it does sound like austin powers but it also in a way sounds to me like tenacious d pick of destiny 
it's kind of yeah it's a bit like that or like magruber or something it's 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 like a comedy which isn't afraid to be kind of silly um and and i loved it for that yeah well this this sounds absolutely hilarious uh jamie dornan <laughs> there's, there's a the, the, one of the wayans brothers uh, marlon wayans is in this as like a private eye who keeps on giving away secrets about himself and his name is darley bunkle which is just the great name <laughs> darley bunkle and then and, and there's another character who's one of the good cameos i won't spoil uh, spoil what which actor plays him but when star is undergoing her own kind of spiritual crisis um basically her and uh, of, of course what happens is barb and star end up competing for the affections of jamie dornan um and he picks one of them and the other one sort of goes has the like kind of crisis of confidence and goes off and starts doing loads of activities on their own in vista del mar and she comes across a character called to- uh, what's his name tommy bahama <laughs> who like, takes her under his wing for a scene and teaches her how to like channel her in a phoenix it's uh yeah it's so funny this movie i really can't recommend it enough yeah but also you've got like the austin power stuff like of the main star playing both the bad guy and the good guy yeah yeah but th- that's very much i think a nod to um <laughs> a nod to to the uh to like austin powers um in in the, yeah the the villain also being like being the same actress as the uh as as the good guy, but yeah, Vig and Momolo are so goddamn good in this, and it's um it's written by them as well. So I think that probably helps that they kind of they they created this thing from the ground up. It's directed by Josh Greenbaum, who's not a director I've really come across before. Well, I, I get this. yeah, I was going to mention actually Josh Greenbaum. Okay, I have come across him before because he directed a, a documentary that I really really like called The Short Game, which follows underage like you know golfers who want to become professionals okay. one day and he sort of uh, yeah I, I that that documentary it's just I, I just, it's a nice watch you know it's not really it's not groundbreaking but it's interesting yeah. that he sort of got his break in a way in in documentary filmmaking yeah and then moved on to this like in that documentary filmmaking a little bit of trivia Anna Kornikova, you know Anna Kornikova, the tennis player. Oh yeah, yeah, the the, the once good tennis player. If if there was if there was ever a question whether uh, Anna Kornikova had a pushy parent in terms of making her good or not, well, her younger brother Alan Kornikova is the up and coming number one uh, in in golf in America <laughs> in his age group, and it follows part of it follows him. So oh, he's a golfer. That's weird. Yeah, they put, so, I guess they push them into separate sports to. Yeah. Um... Well, obviously they probably she, the mom probably tried them in a load, you know, and then like they yeah. anything they 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 showed a bit of promising they've just bid on you know that's great yeah well i mean this doesn't feel like something a documentarian made but i i, I think uh yeah vegan and momolo's influence is kind of all over this um but yeah so if you're in the mood for something where um where a character is kind of dumbstruck with how how like overcome with emotion and, and love they are for a character um and that they, they like shake their head to kind of clear the cobwebs and you get the sound effect like like and then she does it and then she does it again and then another character gets their phone out and it's ringing with that as the ringtone this is the kind of movie <laughs> for you it's uh it's very very funny uh that that actually that does have a lot of parallels with flintstones so i think that segue was yeah like, it's, it's, like it, it's it feels that's it's got that same kind of silly innocence to it that i was very much in the mood for this week yeah awesome okay uh so my next one um you know i had to do it like um go on it's been too long i watched free willy too all right <laughs> oh Jesus! Was Elijah Wood in this one too? Elijah Wood wasn't in any of them. You're thinking of that Andre f- Seal film. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I think Elijah Wood was in? Free- Who was the kid in Free Willy? I, we've had this conversation on this very podcast. <laughs> yeah, we have. <laughs> Jason James Richter, his name is. Uh, oh, okay, it's always going to be a lot. I think you know. I think uh, as well, he was in a movie with Bruce Willis called North. 
um, which was a terrible movie in like the mid nineties, and I think I get that mixed up with North, that. Yeah. But in, in my head, Elijah Wood was in Free Willy, and I, I won't be persuaded otherwise. Well, actually, the funny thing is, I haven't really seen this uh, this actor who plays Jesse, the main character in Free Willy One and Free Willy Two. <laughs> you're, you're telling me this child actor didn't go on to bigger and better things? That's the interesting thing. He actually is still going. Oh wow! He's 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 in a film that's just been released called The Little Things with Denzel Washington. With okay fine I did not see him being in movies with Denzel Washington <laughs> well he's still but... got the harmonica uh, so basically the story of Free Willy in the first film he broke Free Willy out um, sure lo- lo- I'm so th- it's kind of like a prison break film and then like in the second one they're like what do we do I oh, will just we'll make him be like, they on the run we'll make him be like in a prison but like not in a prison, you know. So like they okay. get they get stuck in a particular part of a cove or whatever because there's an oil spill, um, and okay. uh, it's actually got a lot of heart. Obviously, Free Willy has a lot of heart to it. They're great family films. Yeah. The first two, it's a bit like Home Alone, right? The first two, pretty good, and then they just started casting any old tat in it. But um, <laughs> that's that's sort of how it goes. But uh, Free Willy, Free Willy Two is a story of Jesse who's been adopted by his uh, by his parents in the first film. Uh, he gets the news through that his birth mother has passed away. Um, okay. And But he also gets the, the interesting news that he's got a younger brother who's eight years old, who's been living with his mother for eight years. They've got they've got different dads, same mum. And basically, the younger brother comes on a holiday with them uh, to sort of meet, meet his older brother and get to know him and all that sort of thing. The younger okay. brother, first of all, his, the younger brother's name is Elvis, uh, which is Great. already points to the film. But uh, <laughs> yeah. basically, there's a whole is it a whole interesting uh, plot going on, like sort of a character development point in Jesse, where his best mate Free Willy, who's the uh, who's the orca, um, has been reunited with his his mom in the pod uh, in in this cove in out in the wild again. And Jesse's just lost his mother, so he sort of goes through a whole thing with uh, with Willie the whale in terms of that. So there's there's a lot of depth to it in a way when you think of it from that lens. But I will say, the first time you see Jesse in this film, he's 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 looking down the road and there's three young women walking up, and he, it's like, oh, Jesse's a teenager now. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, and then wouldn't you know it, his longtime mentor, Native American man Randolph. Uh, who and there is some. I've seen the first one. I don't remember. He that is, character. yeah, he is. Uh, okay. and, and it's really nice to have you know that presence, but at the same time, it does feel a little. It feels a little like they. I think with uh, Native American people, sometimes in films, they sort of lean on them being mystics. Uh, yeah, that, uh, there's always that. Mm-hmm. I feel like the '90s was they they did it with a lot of black characters as well, where mm-hmm. they're like, oh, this isn't isn't this black character very wise, or like, or isn't and it's kind of like positive discrimination in a really offensive way yeah. where it's like look look how positively we're portraying this character by by completely othering them into this ridiculous role yeah um and yeah they did it with native Amer- they, i mean they still do it with native american characters yeah. to a certain extent but, yeah um, yeah they do yeah. but basically um wouldn't you know just in time for jesse becoming a teenager randolph has a niece and uh she's knocking about the boat so um you know there's a whole thing going on there but uh, it's free willy and orcas are my favorite uh, to, to be honest with you <laughs> Watching these films, I shouldn't really say this because it'll make me not want to watch them again. But to me, living in a world now where we all know what happens with orcas in captivity, we all we all like living in this world, this post-blackfish world. Um, I kind of watch these as if it's like watching 
the comedy set of a cancelled comedian. Like, like you know, if I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not this a Bill. You watching your yeah. your uh, Louis C.K. Yeah. stand up comedy. Yeah, I'm not a Bill Cosby fan, but if I <laughs> if I was a Bill Cosby fan, I could imagine watching his old stand ups would feel like watching Free Willy, you know, because it's right. I just I'm just watching a it thinking deep seated sense of self hatred and guilt. I'm just yeah, yeah I'm just watching it. it thinking like, okay, the films already exist. They couldn't do this these days. Can I still enjoy them? I don't know. It's horrible, you know, like. The fact of the matter is as well, I know what happens with Orcas in Captivity and I'm watching this young actor uh, who's playing Jesse ride the back of this whale and I'm just like, he could have killed you. Like, Tilikum's going to eat you, Jesse. Watch out. Is it Tilikum from Blackfish? I can't remember. Yeah, it is Tilikum and Blackfish. That's not the same whale here though. But it's it's absolutely... Was it... um... Was it Shamu in this one? I can't remember if this was like. Wasn't Shamu? Uh, I can't okay. remember. The, I can't remember. There is a name of the orca, though. I can't remember the name of the orca. Uh, but the interest. This would have been right around the, the sort of peak Shamu yeah, yeah, yeah. fandom. Well, they wouldn't have. They would never have got Shamu for this. Come on, they, the Shamu was too big. But, <laughs> yeah. But the, the thing is, he's the big name. You know, he's he's like the he's the Denzel. <laughs> he Washington. got the big bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. If you could choose one, Jesse or the orca, who would one day work at Denzel Washington? It wouldn't have been Jesse. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely not. And Denzel expressed interest by sounds of things as well. But yeah, exactly. their schedules could just never line up. Yeah, but I just like watch like knowing like you know or, like in the wild like there's I th- I think it might have changed now, but at the time of the blackfish being made and stuff, there was zero like people being killed by orcas in the wild whereas in captivity there's like hundreds or tens yeah. or dozens <laughs> or, anyway almost as if there's a correlation yeah almost as if there's a correlation you these put, these things, put these things in a concrete box you know something's gonna happen um yeah so the fact that we're, we're, we're watching these actors like ride the back of these whales part of me's thinking like i know they do did use some animatronic whales some not but like even the fact that he's going up and patting the whales like you know mouth or nose or whatever while it's i'm just like this is so dangerous like this kid yeah, it's is, a wild animal yeah and this kid is not a professional you know oh jeez anyway that's that's pretty really too <laughs> i will i will say well, for, <laughs> I, I've, I've not seen this movie as 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 the the keen eared among you may have noticed i will say for this movie if we're talking about re uh, as i often like to do reevaluating problematic classics um it was directed by dwight h little which has absolutely floored me because i know him from directing halloween 4 and the tekken movie which is like where how where did this come from like when did free he was just like whatever i'll do free willy too i can like michael myers and and orcas have loads in common but so maybe it's possible to view this as a kind of horror movie now. yeah it's it's actually interesting to me like this is this is interesting to me the name dwight okay the Careful name... now, we might have listeners called Dwight. No, no, no. This, I, I like the name Dwight. Don't get me wrong. Dwight, right. Dwight Schrute and all that, right? But yep, sure. But the, the director's name is Dwight. But there's also a character called Dwight. But when um... Michael Madsen says, like, and the character's named Dwight. Michael Madsen's in it. That's right. Yeah, he's, Sorry, he's, I just remembered. He's Michael the adoptive. Madsen. He's the adoptive father. Sure. Yeah. But in t- terms of talking about prob- problematic stuff, I, like, I don't know. I honestly don't know this, right? I've never actually met someone in real life with the name Dwight. But the director's called Dwight. Okay, his name's Dwight. In the film, Michael Madsen is talking about the character called Dwight, but it's it's a black man. And Michael Madsen really emphasizes the D-White. This is my question. Is other- Are you suggesting that he's, a po- he's put an apostrophe in there because Michael Madsen is racist? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. My question is really, 
the director obviously didn't correct him on that when it's the director's own name. Um, my, yeah. my question is, like, what is it? Is it technically? Is, are there technically two different pronunciations of the name Dwight? That's my question. I mean, there's probably as many pronunciations of every name as as there are people with it because everyone yeah, everyone pronounces you know their names slightly differently as we learned in on this very episode with Cillian and Killian. Yeah, like <laughs> I pronounce my name Anthony and it's spelled J A M E S. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe Killian pronounces it Cillian. We don't know. I've never met him, so you know maybe I am right after all these yeah, years. Yeah, maybe you are. Um, there we go. This, we'll is the, this is the pronunciation pronunciation of names episode. Yeah, yeah. Get in touch, Killian, if you're listening. All right. <laughs> like, okay. Let us well, know. write us a letter. All right. Well, there's there's free Willy too. Okay. Excellent. Well, that's that leads me quite naturally into my next movie, um, which is 1995's Ghost in the Shell, uh, a cyberpunk anime <laughs> directed <laughs> by Mamoru Oshii. Um, this is one of the. This is a rewatch for me. One of the first anime movies I ever saw, probably when I was. Probably, oh, I was definitely too young. I was probably about twelve or thirteen, um, and it's it still holds up. It's still a beautiful movie. I think it's it's its strengths are in how well it realizes kind of a cyberpunk future. The, the plot itself is. It, it's weird because it's quite a simple plot. It's basically basically you've got like Major uh, Matoko Kusanagi, who's like an android with some human memories left in her because she was human once upon a time, and she's slowly had every part of her replaced. Um, she uh, and the rest of like Section Nine, who are like a government kind of shady organization that, that basically deal with like political stuff, but are also kind of peacekeeping um they become embroiled in a conspiracy as they're like hunting down this hacker called the puppet master and as they find out more and more about this hacker they realize that it might actually be a sort of government created ai um that is used to sort of destabilize other governments and cause various incidents within their own government and and it that that whole kind of narrative or that that whole kind of plot is really just uh, a staging ground for the movie to talk about the idea of like what is humanity what is a sense of self like how how do we define who we are and like going off on these ideas about soul and honestly the movie is mainly style over substance like it gets its metaphors across in like really kind of like long-winded drawn out monologues that are quite boring and it's quite hard to follow some of the some of the ideas that it's proposing but in the case of Ghost in the Shell, when the style is so, like so fucking cool, like or as fucking cool as Ghost in the Shells is, and so influential, you can kind of get away with being style of a substance. Um, so I often, it's it's recommended as like seminal anime, and I don't know if I really agree with that because I don't think someone who's coming to anime for the first time will get that much from it, just because from a purely film view, um, like kind of narrative film watching experience, it's not that good, but to look at it's still stunning i i i love it it's, it's one of my favorite films just to just to look at because it's so so cool yeah i haven't seen this film to be honest with you i've only seen the superior um version in 2017 starring oh scarlet I, re- I, refu- <laughs> I refuse to watch that i absolutely refuse to watch it i will get round to it i normally i'm not i don't tend to like become like a crusader for remakes but that one was just a that was a bridge too far for me in 2017 uh well i have i so i, I basically knew the storyline but that's all i can really say about it because i've seen the 2017 one and thank you very much because we finally paid off the uh the promise in our in our original uh advert for the best movie podcast ever where we reference ghost in a shell so there you go yes exactly like i have seen ghost in the shell here's the proof i've done yeah. it again uh- <laughs> yeah <laughs> Right, but yeah, uh, no, yeah. So obviously, I don't know. It, it seems interesting to me. Like, I, I like the, I, I like, I, I like these 
these types of I've not seen too many of them, but I like animes where they go into sort of this cybernetic, uh, futuristic world. Um, yeah, you know, with robots and stuff. Um, and I think the revelations that come about through like the come come about through the character, and eventually you find what you learn about the character. I, I did find it engaging, even if I was given it given it in a very strange Western way. You know. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like that that um, I can't remember who directed that 2017 one, but Rupert the Scarlett Johansson Sanders, one. Yeah. Rupert Sanders, yeah. I mean. I'm sure the ideas communicated are the same. I, I think it's it's one of those, even if it was like a shot-for-shot shot remake, I think you wouldn't get the same sense of importance aesthetically from a movie in 2017 as you would for one in 1995. Yeah. And that's not to say that this invented a lot of those ideas. You know, this owes as much to things like Blade Runner and Neuromancer um, as the stuff that came after it. Um, owes to it but I think as, as someone who is a really big fan of like cyberpunk aesthetic stuff mm-hmm. uh, this is like one of the most important movies aesthetically for, de- for developing that sense of style and uh, like it's got there's such cool stuff in it there's like, a bit where they're like hacking and there's just like this kind of a, the innocuous scientist guy or, or technician or whatever guy and he like puts his hands over a keyboard I'll bring, bring them up here so you just can see them and then each of his fingers splits into two little metal fingers which then split into more metal fingers and they start going crazy <laughs> on the keyboard and it's uh, it's so good and that there is a couple of action set pieces um that are still stunning. I think there's there's one at the end uh, where Kusanagi fights basically a tank on her on her own, and it's really exciting. And there's one um, basically a chase sequence where there's a, a a garbage man who's hacking into a bunch of terminals on his route, and it's something to do with the puppet master, and they're chasing him. And then that chase turns into them chasing the person who sold him the the means of hacking. Um, and he's got like this Uzi with like armor piercing rounds in it, and it's just one of the most brilliantly animated chase sequences I've ever seen. Um, so even though narratively I think this movie isn't great um, and, and, and script wise it isn't great um, there's there's enough in here that if you wanted to check out like some kind of cyberpunk anime it's, it's probably not the best place to start but it's certainly something that's worth having on your radar and, and, and visiting eventually okay awesome um, yeah okay so st- staying in the in, in the manga slash comic world we'll say okay uh I watched like so recently. Um, so that scope broaden there, just a little. Yeah, just, just crack, crack the scope open so you can slip slip in. Yeah, I've, I've you know se- segue. Uh, so yeah. basically, um, Ema has been saying recently that she wants to watch all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films from start to finish because she's wow. missed a lot along the way. So she's only seen uh, maybe ten out of the twenty four or whatever there are. Uh, so, okay. So we're gonna go back and watch them. I'm not watching the Incredible Hulk. No, I'm not watching that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Edward Norton could suck it. We're not doing it, all right, Edward? Or no? Wait, hold on. Are you gonna watch the Edward Norton one, but just not the Steve? Um... Oh, what is his name? Eric Banner, not Steve Banner. Um, um, the er- Eric Banner one is really good. Um, and... Oh, is that okay? That's the one that I thought everyone disliked. Uh, it was, uh, but I liked it. Yeah. Uh, that was like okay. 2003 or so. The the, yeah. the the Edward Norton one's okay. Uh, it's just that it's got it's got very little to do with the rest of the cinematic universe because Edward Norton left. Yeah. There's like some of the characters come back sometimes. That's about it. Um, maybe yeah. if if Emma wants to watch it, we'll watch it. I suppose it's up next because you all know what I'm going to say. Like, but um, I suppose it's up next. I'll decide whether I'm going to watch it or not. But Edward Norton basically only signed on to one film, and he's like, "I'm not doing any more." So I'm just like, okay. "I wonder if he regrets that now." Like yeah. Looking back, probably not. Like knowing what I've heard about Edward Norton, but um, 
I, I always find that interesting, yeah. like Terence Howard as well in the movie I'm assuming you're about to talk about, yeah. where it's just like, I bet you regret asking for too much money. Terrence. <laughs> yeah, Jesus, Terence. Looking at Don Cheadle, just feet up in the Bahamas, just like, oh boy, this was easy. Yeah, it was, it's you know, actually, let's talk about this. Watch, watch Iron Man, right? So sure. it's hilarious to me that Terence Howard, who uh, who is in the first film, and obviously he goes on to be the superhero of War Machine, but he's played by Don Cheadle. Um, he plays uh, James Rhodes. Uh, so basically he wanted more money because in the first film I think he was paid the most out of anyone because he was hot off the back of an Oscar nomination or was it even an Oscar win possibly for Hustle, Crash. For Hustle and Flow I think it was oh it? Hustle and Flow oh right okay um I can't. I've never seen Hustle and Flow actually, but it could have been. Could easily have been. I know Terrence Howard in that kind of like two thousand six, two thousand seven period was was pretty hot. Uh, so you got nominated for an Oscar. Yes, yes, yes. For Hustle and Flow. Hustle and Flow. Okay. I really like that film. Um, he's a pimp in it. Who's like a, an aspiring uh, rapper. Um, but basically, he showed in real life he's got no hustle and flow because he couldn't <laughs> he couldn't see the bigger picture and he sort hustled of hustled himself right out of a job yeah for iron man too he was like no i'm still getting i, I need i need i still need to be the top war machine page. should be the star of this movie yeah yeah is this not this should not be called iron man this should be called war machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. and they were like uh, or uh, basically they did a very good thing now i don't like recasting i really don't but when you have as a studio are looking forward to to maybe literally hundreds of films by when it's all said and done and might not ever be all said and done right um, yeah. When you're looking at that, you're thinking to yourself, there's no chance we're going to be able to get through this without recasting someone. So they were just yeah. like, screw it. Get rid Put of him. Bandage, bandage <laughs> off now. Get rid of him. Get yeah. Don Cheadle on the phone. Yeah, so Don Cheadle... And apparently, like the money they saved from doing that let them get um, Mickey Rourke for the second one as well, which you know I think was a good choice because he was a pretty good pretty good villain. Yeah, I, I think he did okay. Um, but in, So in the first one, basically, I, I really like what John Favreau did with this film. It felt unlike another superhero film at the time. It was very oh, different. Yeah, the idea of bringing in like ACDC throughout. Um, I'm wearing an ACDC t-shirt today. Uh, the nice. idea, of, the idea of bringing in ACDC throughout. Like I remember, when I said the email. I watched this film. It came out in 2008, so I watched this film when I was 17, and I was just getting into ACDC after being on on my uh, meatloaf uh, kick for a year. I was getting into ACDC, and uh, I was going to see a superhero film. Now I wasn't like a hipster or anything. Like I'm not, judge like. Even though I've got long hair and a beard, I'm not a hipster. Like I, 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 I don't give up on bands and stuff just because they get popular or just be, you know whatever. Right? But I went so I've never and I've never really thought like my musical tastes were weird. But I, but I, I remember thinking the rest of my peers weren't really listening to ACDC and like you know stuff like this. So I went to see the film, and all of a sudden in this really cool superhero film at 17 years old, they were playing like all the songs that I was listening to at the time, and it was like really yeah. cool and and I just really love the style of that. Um, I think there might have been some Rage Against the Machine in the soundtrack as well which possibly um, yeah it, it, yeah so it, it was it wasn't just it wasn't just acdc but you yeah know, that's yeah. They, they open obviously with yeah. uh back in black and it's yeah i think robert downey jr as well in this film it does a really good job of sort of kicking it off as the first leading man of the mcu he's like swagger yeah. bringing this like he's almost like bruce wayne but he's a real dickhead you know yeah he's yeah. he's kind of like kind of like conor mcgregor if he was a superhero you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a good description it's very yeah he's got that kind of annoyingly charismatic quality to yeah. him where it's like i like you but i know i shouldn't yeah yeah uh, yeah exactly and and i have to say uh, jeff bridges is the first like 
the first villain of the MCU. What a choice yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know start your series off with a bang, you could do a lot worse than Jeff Bridges as your as your main villain, frankly. Yeah. So I, like, I'm not gonna say too much. We've, 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 I'm sure like there's there's millions of hours on YouTube of people talking about Iron Man. All I'll say is we're watching MCU because Emma really wants to watch it all through. I'm gonna mention briefly the ones that I watch, and I'll tell you whether I think it's a good film or not. I think Iron Man One was a fantastic start to the MCU yeah. uh, and I'm looking forward now to watching uh, Iron Man 2 because Ema, ha- Ema has seen Iron Man 1 but she hasn't seen Iron Man 2 so I'm really looking forward to watching it okay no I, I look forward to hearing about that because I mean it's been a long time since I've seen any of the I can't remember so I'm kind of like I have seen most of them but I, I wasn't like that up on like the media around them so I, is it like stage one or something they call like the phase one phase one phase one that's it yeah so it's, I, I haven't seen most of the phase one movies since they came out but mm-hmm. I, I remember uh, the one thing I'll say about this because um, it's been a long time since I've watched it is it's very easy maybe people because obviously there are people who have like grown up with the Marvel movies you know they've yeah. been coming out since they were like kids basically yeah. I think maybe people of our generation who are slightly older when they first started coming out are old enough to remember what superhero movies were before Iron Man came out and I as someone who has multiple X-Men tattoos and is a massive fan of the X-Men I really did not like the X-Men movies I felt like they were basically Wolverine and Friends yeah. um, which you know and I, I like Wolverine he's a pretty cool character but that's not what the X-Men is the X-Men is a group and it's supposed to be about a cool group and I you know hands on the t- hands on like hands up here like cards on the table Cyclops is my, my, one of my favourite characters and those movies did him dirty um, but so I didn't like those X-Men movies and the Spider-Man movies I know a lot of people love the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies they never really did it for me because um, I didn't love Tobey Maguire as, as Spider-Man I think I've said that before but so Iron Man coming along at two, in 2008 was a pretty seminal shift not just in superhero movies but in Hollywood blockbusters like this is yeah. This is essentially Disney uh, at the time saying, "This is what blockbusters are going to be for the next twenty years, by the looks of things," um, and and completely changing the game. And I think I don't know if I'd put this up there with it in terms of quality, although I do I do remember really liking this movie. Mm-hmm. But this is almost like Jaw- um, Spielberg making Jaws in in the seventies and being like, "Here you go, Hollywood blockbusters. This is what these are going to be for the next for the next twenty years." Mm-hmm. Um, I think it had that kind of impact on the industry yeah no and i would agree and and it's it's and from the beginning of it they're they're putting in the seeds of the things that are going to be like they they were planning on this mcu from this stage it's not like iron man went well and they went right okay let's go they they planned it and i I actually i'm not sure of the history of it but there's a possibility that iron man came out just before the acquisition from disney or just or just after maybe I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Like, I have a feeling you might be right, but I mean, there's definitely there's stuff that they definitely built on. So I, I'd forgotten that that Jarvis was voiced by Paul Bettany yeah. in this movie. Who had obviously gone. Jeez, to the he did. He his agent. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, just like giving him a little nudge every time they made a new movie. Like, how about how about yeah. ca- casting Vision as a character? I, yeah. How about that? I really can't. But his agent's like, he's like, come on. He's, it's a voiceover. You know, you're gonna be a voiceover computer guy. He's like. I don't really, I, you know, I was meant to have lunch with so and so. I don't have time today. It's literally, <laughs> literally half a day would do that role. And he's like, yeah. listen, it's Disney, it's Marvel. There's going to be stuff in the future for you. Yeah, <laughs> don't you worry about this. They're going to be they're gonna put your kids through college. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He's getting. I haven't. I haven't finished WandaVision yet, but you know that's that it, like Vision's still showing up in stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I always like Vision. He's cool. But um, yeah, no, I'm excited to hear um, about yours and Ema's journey back through those <clears throat> because they so there are some great movies in there. Um, uh, as much as as much as I may have, 
I think there were a couple of stretches with the, the MCU where I got a bit jaded and kind of stopped watching. So I missed a few. So like stuff like Captain Marvel, I never saw. I don't think I saw the third Thor movie. Second, I can't remember how. Oh, many if Thor's you didn't there. see the third Thor movie, <clears throat> that's it's directed by Taka Waititi, and it's and it's called. Thor. Oh no, that I did. I yeah. did see the third one. I didn't see the second the one. Sec- right. well, I yeah, think but... the second the second Thor movie is Dark World. I think it's called. Is probably yeah. the least watched of all of the MCU films. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, the Takawati Watisi Thor was great. I yeah. like that a lot. Um, there's a lot of good about, about that movie. Um, okay, cool. Well, that's something for us to look forward to in future movie diaries as well. I'm I'm going to just round us off here with um, unfortunately one that I didn't like as much as the others. It was still a good movie, but it wasn't as good as the rest of the ones I watched this week. Um, this is another 2021 movie, and it just came out this week on Netflix. Um, I believe it's Amy Poehler's directorial debut uh, if not then very close to it and this is uh, Moxie um, yeah I heard of it essentially um, she she plays a kind of former punk mum but the, the, the story fa- uh, centres around her daughter Vivian um, who is kind of like a relatively easygoing, um, kind of keep your head down kind of hit, kind of kid in, 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 in high school uh, until she discovers her, her former punk mother's zine collection um, and begins to sort of call out the abusive behaviour that she sees at her school and it's kind of spurred on by this this like really abhorrent list that the people at sc- the boys at school put around with stuff like you know uh like best ass and most bangable and stuff like that like it, it's kind of a that's, a, that's a bit of a trope happening. isn't it isn't didn't you watch me didn't you watch mean girls recently yeah it is a bit of a trope and i did i did take issue with that i was like okay this the, the this feels that feels a little lazy to kind of be for that to be the thing that kicks you off mm-hmm. um but there's also like this new girl uh lucy who's played very well by um alicia pascal peña um who is very good um, but it's it's a good movie. I think one of the things I, I I really liked about this movie was how it kind of narratively zigs when I thought it was going to zag. So the start of the movie is is basically Vivian and um, and her best friend Claudia, uh, Claudia, Claudia. I'm sure it's pronounced. <laughs> this is as the the dark discussions seeping into my movie discussions. <laughs> it's one of the two. Um, it's definitely Claudia. I don't know why I say Claudia. I watched the movie. I heard her name be pronounced multiple times. Um, but they like arrive at school and they're basically like dressing down all the girls on the list and they're kind of like, oh, you know, this girl, this this cute uh, cheerleader girl who's the popular girl is definitely going to get most bangable and this girl is going to get best ass again and they're, they're kind of like dressing them down and like talking down to them because of it. Um, and then it kind of goes into some really serious stuff and, and, and uh, basically reverts... Um, on itself and it's like no actually this is going to be about kind of unifying girls against these 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 ideas which is which is really nice um i think some of the problems i had with it were like you identified first off the that inciting instance a little bit tropey and kind of i don't know if it's that believable though i will say the villain in this is played by someone who i've never seen the movie before and it absolutely blew my goddamn mind when i found out who it was and that's Arnold Schwarzenegger's son, Patrick Schwarzenegger. When I, when I was like, he he reminds me of someone. Who does he remind me of? And then I went to IMDb. I was like, that's Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. God damn it! And he is, he's um he is very good in this. He plays this smarmy jock douchebag, um, and he is perfectly cast. But he's also he's kind of like he's a lot warrior warrior than his dad, obviously. But he's still very tall, so he can be quite like physically intimidating. Mm-hmm. But he plays him like in this really kind of like smarmy, snarky kind of way, and like gaslighting a lot of the women when he or a lot, a lot of the young girls when he's behaving abusively to them. So he's he's fantastic. Um, I also found out that apparently he's related to John F. Kennedy through his mother. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't understand 
how that's happened. Like, but, but Schwarzenegger Patrick married Schwarzenegger. a Kennedy. It, it, it was was one of his wife. One of his wives. I'm assuming he's had multiple wives. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of his wives. Was, I mean, come on. Arnold Schwarzenegger's definitely been married more than once. There's no way that that that, that he that he managed to make a relationship last longer than ten years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess one of his wives was was related to the Kennedys. But but Patrick Schwarzenegger's got some some weird genes. Um, yeah, so I, I guess things I the, the stuff I liked about this had a really good soundtrack. It's got a lot of like cool kind of like girl punk in it. Um, I don't know if I love Hadley Robinson who plays the the lead Vivian um, or any of the teens apart from uh, Alicia Pascual Pena really. But um, and and I, it just about passes the three laugh test though. Amy Poehler is doing most of the heavy lifting on yeah. that. Like she is far and away the funniest. Ike Barinholtz tries, but his character is a bit kind of confusingly written. Um, but it's it's decent. It's it's a decent kind of teen flick um, if you're in the mood for something um, that's a bit more kind of socially charged than than your average teen movie. Okay, interested in that. I do like Amy Poehler. I will correct the record and say Arnold Schwarzenegger has only been married once. There's um, no way that's true. There's but he, no way. But he is true. divorced. Um, oh, okay, fine. So I, Maria, Maria Shriver, who is a member of the Kennedy family, uh, don't know how she is. Uh, but she, uh, it's what I find very interesting here. Just looking at the uh, Wikipedia to get that the correction there, because I don't want to do Arnold dirty, basically. No, I'd, please, please don't write in Arnold. I'm sorry. What I, What I find <laughs> hilarious is that uh, so one of his daughters is called. Catherine Schwarzenegger, she's an American author, and obviously you've got Patrick Schwarzenegger. So under Arnold Schwarzenegger's Wikipedia page, it says children five, including Catherine and Patrick. How would you feel to be the other three? That's, yeah, all that's harsh. That's harsh. There, they, 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 the other three are just like what? So I'm a, being an accountant isn't good enough for you, I guess. <laughs> yeah. IMDb. Um, yeah. yeah, that's well. I mean. That, that I, clearly they didn't want to go into acting or well maybe they did and they're just not very good at it who knows <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah he he's great and it blew my mind to see him in this I was like who who like, it's kind of one of those things where like you've got it in the back of the back of your head like you know who it is because he looks so much like his dad and then you have it revealed and it's like I it's all it all makes <laughs> sense now it all makes sense um, but yes he 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 is great I, I think this movie's depiction of high school is not bad it feels a little bit um it feels a little bit tacky and and, and kind of hackneyed in spots mm-hmm. um but the, but the the music and the performances of polar carry it through so as i say the soundtrack's great there's a great bit where there's a school band that plays knock on wood by the mighty mighty boss tones like ska punk which i didn't think school bands did but apparently if that's what school bands are playing these days like ska punk from the 90s i'm 100 for it um you also get um marcia gay harden who is a great villainess uh turning up in this as like the principal who is the kind of has this opinion of like i suffered for this spot so you guys can suffer through the same thing I suffered into as well and she's great um, I will say that the, the when, when there's the inevitable kind of dark middle chapter where mm-hmm. the, 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 the main character is sort of struggling with some things it doesn't really earn um, oh, it doesn't really realise those problems in a very believable way and and then it get, the the movie gets into some really serious uh, ideas uh, towards that the, the the end of the second act and the, and the third act it starts talking about you know characters being accused of of rape and um, and uh, the, the idea of kind of culturally um, different gender norms. And I don't feel the screenplay is really equipped to handle those okay. very well, and and they feel a bit cheap as a result. They sort of I'm a, I'm a I'm a, quite a big critic of people being like oh just throwing 
rape there to kind of as shorthand for something else yeah um and i feel like this script does do that a little bit which i wasn't a massive fan of but um it's, it's still it's a good movie there's a romantic trip to a funeral home in it which i've never seen before uh, <laughs> where they go and pick out coffins for some reason and there is also um something i've i've haven't seen in movies for a long time where when the character who is accused of rape finds out about it they do like a snap zoom to his face from the other side of the room and no one does those anymore but it's a it's just missing a like bum 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 as it snaps his <laughs> on but it's um yeah it's an odd choice but it, it stuck out to me but yeah that's that's moxie worth checking out but not the not the best movie i've ever seen frankly oh, that's a shame um <laughs> So is that you done for this week? That's me, that's me done. That's me done. Oh, done. Come on, I couldn't get any more in. The Flintstones, Free no, Willy that's... 2 and Iron Man. I was chocolate no, block. Got some great films. Some great movies in there, though. We got some great discussion that I'm sure you enjoyed out of that. <laughs> um, but that's going to do it then for us here on the best movie podcast ever, um, which leaves us with one simple question to answer, as we always do, and that is, Anthony, what is your favourite movie this week? Free Willy 1. Excellent choice. Uh, mine is Austin Powers Two: The Spy Who Shagged Me. Uh, <laughs> join it. I'm not. I'll go. No. I'll go into no further details at this time. Join us next week for another movie diary. Uh, we might have a themed episode coming up. I need to run it by Anthony, but yeah, keep your eyes out for that as well. Um, and yeah, please remember to subscribe on YouTube uh, with the Culture Cave podcasting apps. Best movie podcast ever. Give us a like. Get involved in the comments. Let us know what you watched this week. Thank you to uh, Nancy White and Jared Iscariot. Almost forgot their names there for the use of our theme song. Their link for their stuff is in the link below. And we will see you same time, same place next week. And cut. Cool.